name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We exalt you, our living God and King. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for the presence that is here, your presence, Lord. Thank you for your spirit, Lord, ministering in this room. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, O God. We thank you for the privilege and the power of prayer. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy toward us. We lift you up tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we bless you. We need you. We can do nothing without you, Lord. We're not simply marking time tonight, Father, but we wait upon you. We trust in you and we hope in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated if you want to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Why don't you just pray right there where you're sitting? Talk to the Lord. Amen. I'm not in any hurry tonight, in case you haven't figured that out already. Praise God. We're content to wait upon Him. He's the reason we've come. He is the reason we've come. Jesus, You are the reason we're here tonight. We are here for Your purpose, Father. What You desire to say and what You desire to do. Hallelujah. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. You have purchased us with Your own blood. We wait upon You tonight. We trust in the leading and the operating of your spirit, Lord. We trust in the utterance of your voice, O oh God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We trust in you and we wait upon you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I am. Um, Interestingly, I've had um, I've had a few conversations with people, uh, at least three, in the last week, 
probably more so it seems like in the last couple, three months, but at least three in the last week, um, conversations regarding raising children. I um, I am not the far from it. Just because I've got three kids that are almost raised does not mean I figured it out. I'm just starting to learn stuff now, and I don't have to raise them anymore. I guess they're supposed to start figuring it out on their own. But uh, I remember there's something that just sort of stuck in my mind. If I were to point to something, my wife and I were talking about this, if I were to point to something that I would say was critical in our home through the years, clearly the Lord, His Spirit, those things, I think that's probably a given, right? But if I were to look back through years, uh, the last 23 and a half years that we've been raising children or seeking to by the help of the Lord, if I were to point to one thing that was a constant beyond the spiritual things that you might think about in terms of prayer and the word and trying to do those things as the Lord would lead, I would say it was a family meal. A family meal. Felt like I needed to share that with you. It wasn't every day for 23 and a half years that we've had children. I'm sure there's days we missed along the way. But if there was a constant in our home, it was the family meal. Every night... Sometimes it didn't work out at night, so it would be in the afternoon, or it was became more and more challenging as people worked. Our kids started working to whether it was going to be lunch time or whether it was going to be in the evening or on a weekend if it was breakfast. Or but a constant was a family meal around the table together. I. This will sound strong saying it this way. I never allowed my children to take their food and go off to another room or I don't think they ever wanted to. That's why I say it might sound strong. Like, no, you can't. Um, we, we had a family meal where we sat together around the table, blessed the meal together and just talked about whatever. Wasn't a spiritual gathering around the table. Now, sometimes we would talk about things of the word. Um, some things we'd talk about. Mercy heaven. We definitely sought not to talk about people. At least not in a negative way. Tried to make sure that never happened around the table. If you're a, a family... If you're a family, that means if there's more than one person in the home, 
Sorry, Brother Mike. He sat at our table sometimes. Can I encourage you not to forsake a family meal as often as possible? Now, we didn't do it three times a day. We just sought to at least have one meal a day. There was a season where our main meal was lunch. We'd just coordinate when I'd come home for the day and we'd sit down and all have lunch together. Amen. That's not what I want to talk about tonight. I just, because this thing has kept coming up, I, uh, as I was reflecting on different conversations, I felt like the Lord brought that back to me. Um, it was just really important to me. And have a meal where you you say, well, you know, we sit together on the couch and eat. Okay. I'm not saying you got to have a dinner table with certain chairs. Okay. But be together. Does that make sense? You can, you can be in the same room, sitting on the same couch, eating the same meal and not be together. Be doing your own thing. Be together. Let conversation ensue over the meal. Amen. That's for whatever it's worth. I just feel like that's important tonight. I, uh, I want to share something tonight that the Lord's been dealing with my heart about. Maybe it'll tie into that in some way. Brother Jeremiah, I have made it so easy for you tonight because you have worked so diligently. And I thought I'm going to help him because he's helped me so much. If you will look, if you'll go back to like the screen where the different sets are, you know, there's up there at the top on the left, it says worship and word. It has the different names of sets. You will see one that says 9.12.18 scriptures. If you will click that and load that, you've got scriptures preloaded tonight. You'll just get to sort of arrow down through them. I'll save you for the saving on what did he just say? Which chapter? Which verse? What book? And it'll help me because I'm going to read off the screen too. So we're going to start in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. We've got a lot of scripture. I don't know that we'll read all of it tonight. Um, we'll just see where we get with the, with the Lord here leading us. And uh, amen. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, and I think we're going to start with verse number 4. Get up there. We'll give, I, I said I was going to make it easy, but I threw him a curveball. He was all set up and ready to go, just start tagging in scriptures, and then I had him change his scriptural set. Some of you are going, scriptural set, what's that? We can preload songs if we practiced and know the songs we're going to sing. So you can just jump to them, and that's called a set on our computer. So you can load a set of scriptures. Usually they just type them in as we go. And um, Praise God. Feels like fall. Yay. We have fall people in the house. We have any fall people in the house? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. Praise God. The best time of year, in my humble opinion. Praise God. 
Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Notice the first place is the heart. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. The first place they've got to be is in the heart. Verse 7. Watch. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit where? When are you supposed to talk about this? When you're sitting where? In your house. And when you walk by the way, that's probably not in your house, right? And you're supposed to talk about them when you do what? When you lie down. Where do you probably do that? In your house. And when you rise up, and where do you usually do that? In your house. I want you to notice something that I've read this a lot of times. I've not really paid a lot of attention to this. But this principle that all of Judaism is built on, right? And this, what's called the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This word that we stand on. There's something that was shared, that it's got to be in your heart, and you got to love the Lord this way. And then you have a responsibility to teach it and to talk about it. And the places that you're supposed to talk about it, first and foremost, and the place that you're supposed to teach it, first and foremost, is when you sit in your house, when you lie down, which is in your house, and when you rise up, which is in your house. Got it? Verse 8, and you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and, you sh- and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. That means it just goes with you everywhere you go. Verse 9, and you shall write them where? Upon the posts of your what? Your house. There was something that was so important and so critical I mean, we look at 6 and 4 that we started with and say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and that's critical. It's important. You've got to love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's, that's critical. It's vital. But the where is just as important. There was something that the Lord, through Moses, was speaking to the people of God to establish. What's going on in your house matters. What you're teaching in your house What's going on when you lay down in your house? What you're talking about when you rise up in your house? What you're talking about when you're sitting in your house? This matters to God. This is a principle that is critical to mine and your walk and relationship with God. Because the walk and relationship with God does not start in this building. And we've often said structures don't matter. And I believe that. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. But I would tell you assuredly from Scripture. 
what happens in your house, what you talk about in your house, what you discuss in your house, how many times you spend sitting around talking about the Word of God matters in your house. Now, if I were to have grabbed each one of you when you came in and said, tell me how you feel about Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Do you think that's important? I bet there's not a one of you in this room that would have said, oh, no. Right? We would all agree. Absolutely. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Amen. But if I'm not careful, I'll dismiss verses 6 through 9 that speak of what I'm doing with verses 4 and 5 in my house. Knowing who he is and loving and serving him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength starts in my house. And in your house. When the enemy attacks the church. He doesn't start here. He starts in the house. He doesn't. I mean sure he'll try to. You know get. Brother Lewis. Opposed to Brother Martin or. Sister Armenia offended at Sister Loren. Or, you know, he'll, he'll, try, he'll try to do that. But the enemy always starts in the house, in the home. If he can find a way to bring or get us to dismiss the importance of the word of God and time with God and communication about the word of God and the things of God in our house. What's going on in your house matters. And if I believe Deuteronomy 6, and I'm going to love the Lord with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's going to be manifested in my home. Amen? See, when we started reading, you guys thought, oh, yeah, we've heard this before. It matters in my house. Amen? This is important for us, but it's important for how the Lord wants to use us. Um. I don't know what's next there, Brother Jeremiah. Keep going. Just keep arrowing down, and I'll know where we're at. Matthew. There we go. We just went through the whole Old Testament. We jumped to Matthew chapter 9. I want you to see something here. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he, Matthew, arose and followed him. Verse 10. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in... Where did Jesus sit at meat? The house. Now, if you read this in a couple of the other Gospels, you understand really quickly that when Jesus told Matthew to come and follow me, and Matthew got up and followed him, guess where they went? They went to Matthew's house. You can read that in a couple of the other Gospels, and you understand that's how they ended up here in verse 10. So picture this. All right? Azario, follow me. Where are we going? Your house. Right? That's it. We're going to your house. Follow me. We're going to your house. That's exactly what happened. 
Jesus told Matthew to follow him, and Matthew was moved by the Spirit of the Lord, understood it was what God intended for his life, probably didn't understand the scope of it yet, but got up and followed Jesus, and they went to Matthew's house. The first place Jesus was interested in going with a disciple that he chose was into that man's house. And there in Matthew's house we see that many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. When you endeavor to have and build and develop and grow in relationship with God, it always starts with what's going on between you and him in your house. There may be things he does for you here in the church of the living. I'm thankful for that. You'll feel the presence of God here, I hope. But you should feel the presence of God in your house. You know, I'm more concerned by what goes on in my house than what goes on in here. I'm concerned with what goes on in here. Don't misunderstand that statement. So Jesus went to Matthew's house, and there in Matthew's house, publicans and sinners came and ate. Keep going there. I think that's the only verse we're going to stay in chapter 9, though. Watch this. This is a different place in Scripture, but still in Matthew 9. We're in the same chapter, but they've moved out of Matthew's house now. While he spake these things, that's Jesus unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler. You can read in a couple of other Gospels, this ruler's name is Jairus. And he worshipped him, saying, My daughter's even now dead, but come and lay your hand on her, and she'll live. Verse 19, I think. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And we'll skip down in chapter 9, verse 23. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house. Notice, Jesus saw someone with a need. He saw them because this person approached him with their need. And the person understood that if I want the Lord to work in my life, I need to bring him to where the help is needed. And the help is needed where my daughter is, and I couldn't get her to him, but if I can get him to her. And so he invited the Lord Jesus to his house. And Jesus came there into the home of Jairus the ruler. And there, we'll keep reading, when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels there in mourning, he said to them, give place, for the maid's not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn, verse 25. But when the people were put forth, he went in, took her by the hand, and the maid arose. This miracle, this working of the Spirit of God happened in Jairus' house. Let's stay in the same chapter, but let's go a little bit further. Verse 27, we skipped over 26. And when Jesus departed thence, so he departed, he'd left where he was at Jairus' house. He departed thence, watch what happens. Two blind men started following him. Now, when I first read that scripture, I sort of laughed. I thought, I wonder what that looked like. You'll get it in a minute. All right. So two blind men are following him. You guys okay now? It's it's funny. I can tell some of you are like, oh, now I'm following. So somehow two blind men are following Jesus. And here they go, and they're following him, and they're crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 28. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. 
Jesus said to them, Believe you that I'm able to do this. And they said to him, Yea, Lord. Verse 29. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Verse 30. And their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. This is one chapter in Matthew. And in one chapter, we walked with Jesus through three different people's homes. You see that? In one chapter, he was in Matthew's home. He was in Jairus' home. And then whosoever house he went into here where those men followed him into that house and he healed those two blind men. In one chapter, Jesus visited three different homes and worked there. Why would that be possible? How would that be possible? I would submit to you that there was something going on that Jesus was establishing about what took place in the house. If you go all the way back to Deuteronomy, we're not going to do that right now, and you look at what we read at the start of the Lord saying, teach this when you're sitting in your house, when you lie down, when you rise up, put it on the posts of your house. The established thing that the Lord was doing with the children of Israel was expressing the importance of His place in their home. And how they carried themselves and what they allowed in their home and what they did in their home. And what it meant to truly have a relationship with God. What that would look like in their home. But something began to happen if you and I begin to read through the Old Testament. And I dug into this and I had all these. I thought, man, we will be here for hours on end if we, I, we're just going to do a little quick cliff note version tonight. But if you go through the Old Testament, you watch what happens is... As the law is given and as more and more is understood, and Jesus has them build a tabernacle in the wilderness. And you look at that. The idea was so that there would be a way of atoning for sin year after year and that they could bring offering. And, but what happened over time is men began to seek to move to build a house for God. David wanted to build a house. He said, I dwell in this, but Lord, you, you know, you dwell in this place of skins. And Jesus, and so the Lord said, no, you won't, but your son. So Solomon built him this beautiful temple. And, but ultimately, we knew that God didn't live in a house made with hands. But we see and we understand that what happened is, over time, if you read and you look in the Old Testament, is the children of Israel began to move God from their house into his own house. It's what happened. Solomon built God a house and he invited idols and people that worshipped idols and they lived in his own house. And it became the downfall of the wisest man that ever lived. Yes, he built a house for God. Yes, he offered sacrifice and worship where the glory of God came and filled the temple that he built. But what happened is Solomon failed to care for his own house. And as a result, Solomon fell into grave error because of everything he allowed into his personal house. It's very interesting to me in one place of Scripture, I think it's 1 Kings chapter 6 and in the beginning of 1 Kings chapter 7, we find in 1 Kings chapter 6, whatever the last verse is, we find that it says, 
And Sol- uh, 1 Kings chapter 6, the whole chapter is about the building of the temple that, uh, that Solomon built. And the last verse says, Solomon was seven years building the temple, the house of the Lord. And then 1 Kings chapter 7 verse 1 says, And Solomon was 13 years building his own house. That passage of scripture has affected my life in many different ways. Uh, And you could come at it from all different angles, I'm sure. But as I've read that, I thought for the first time we see a man drawing a distinction between building his house and building God's house. And he spent less time on God's house than he did on his house. And as you look through the Old Testament, you see this element that begins to take place where we see Israel putting God in his own house and them falling into the ways of heathens and falling into the ways of false doctrine and given over to the gods of other kingdoms rather than the one true God. And we see these things begin happening where all of a sudden God has been removed from their home. It's a result of what they allowed into their home. Do you see that? And so we find, interestingly enough, and and I, I thought, man, I'll just go through all these scriptures, but there are, I mean, go search it out yourself when you have time. Scripture after scripture, gospel after gospel, some of them are the same accounts, some different accounts, where Jesus again and again and again is going into someone's home, going into someone's home, going into someone's home. We find... In Matthew 10, verses 1, and I don't think I gave you that one. Uh, Go ahead and let's see what's next there, Brother Jeremiah. I have no idea what I... Okay, so we jumped all the way to Mark, so you can just leave that there. That sort of tells me where we're at. In Matthew chapter 10, if you go look and read, it's the place where Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. Where it says he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast out demons to heal the sick, gave authority over all manner of sickness and disease, raised the dead, told them to do all these things, said, when you go, don't take two coats, don't take a purse or a script, don't do all these things. And he makes this statement to them. He said, in whatsoever city you enter into, see which house, and he encourages them to enter into people's homes. And so there was this pattern that was established where the disciples went out and they went into people's homes. And it was something that was expected based on what the Lord had taught and what, if we look at Matthew 9, he had exampled. And then in Matthew 10, he's sending them out to do what he just exampled in Matthew chapter 9 in the three examples that we just talked about. They understood that when I go into someone's home, I'm going as a representative of the kingdom of God. So watch. So now Mark. Let's, we're in Mark chapter, what is that? Seven? Mark chapter seven. 
And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Go to the next verse, which I think is chapter 9 of Mark. Mark 9, 27. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose, verse 28. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? We'll just keep reading here. And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Verse 30. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. Notice they departed. Verse 31. For he taught his disciples, said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered to the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after he is killed, he'll rise the third day. Verse 32. But they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. Verse 33. And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way? Now, you may not have caught this, because we just read through all this really fast. And so you have to go back and look. But in Mark chapter 7 and 17 where we read, and then in Mark chapter 9, these eight verses or seven verses here that we just read, those were three specific examples where the Lord Jesus has, had been teaching a multitude or a crowd or doing something or working, or he had observed something taking place in public. But in all three of these examples that we just read in Mark 7 and here in Mark chapter 9, we find three different places, three different homes, where now that, now that the crowd is gone and it's just Jesus and disciples and they're back in a home, now they're going to talk about what they saw. They're going to talk about what they heard. They're going to talk about what they did or didn't understand. And they're going to discuss these things. Where did they do it? They did it when they got home. You know what I've learned is a pretty good idea? On a Sunday afternoon when you go home, probably be good to sit down and talk about what you heard in the Word. What you witnessed in the service today. On a Wednesday night to go home and talk about what happened there in the service or the next. Talk about the things that you, well, I didn't understand this. And have questions and conversations about the Word of God. Continue those paths. This is exactly what we see pattern. You know, sometimes we read over that stuff and we're just like, oh, yeah, Jesus. No, what they did is they got done and they ended up back at home. And they were all back at home sitting in the house together. And one of the disciples said, you know, Jesus, what you said, we didn't understand. Okay, let's talk about it while we're sitting here in the house. One place they... Couldn't cast out the devil. And so Jesus didn't publicly say, we need to talk about this all right now. But when they got done, Jesus took care of what needed to be took care of. They got back to the house. And he said, okay, we need to talk about why you couldn't do this. And, what, and they had a discussion about the working of the Spirit and the kingdom of God there in their home. Hear me. What we talk about. Discuss, I'm not telling you. In my home, we talk about things that are not biblical and spirit. I don't mean like, hopefully not things we shouldn't be talking about. But every conversation in our home is not, thus saith the word of the Lord. Right? We're real people, right? But the word of God and the conversation about the things of God in our life should be a real part of our life. Unless we're just... Religious robots that are going through routines because we're trying to be good people. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you should talk about this when you're sitting in your house. You should talk about it when you lie down at night, when you rise up in the morning. Why are you talking about it? Well, because I'm a good Christian. I'm supposed to talk about it. No, because it's in your heart. And if it's in your heart, it's in your home. You know what I feel like the Lord is trying to tell us? If you have it, you need to take back your home. You say, well, I'd like to, but no, do what you can do with where you are. Our home should be a sacred place. Amen. And so. I can't, I can't help but reflect on some of the communication and conversation ministry of the Spirit of the Lord. Hopefully this is one of those things you've talked about in your home over the last few weeks where there's been conversation where the Lord has reached to us about examining things that we've allowed into our home, examining things that we've given avenue and entrance into our lives through our home. And, our, and so I think the Lord is saying, hey, if you're going to take back your home, there's some things you got to do so that your home is a place that's Prepared for me. Amen. I want people to be able to walk into my home. I want people to be able to walk into your home and go. Man, it's peaceful in this house. It feels different in this house. You should want that to happen in your house. I have a question for you. This is sort of rhetorical. Who's in charge of your house? Who's the authority in your home? Who's the high priest of your house, of your home? I, I had underestimated the power of prayer. And what takes place in a home. And I'm not sure I still understand fully. I don't know that we ever will in this life fully understand the power of prayer. We know of Cornelius that he, his alms came as a memorial before the Lord. His prayers came as a memorial before the Lord. I, um, I, Many of you know my wife and I, our family, we lived in Arkansas for three years. And we had a house there, still do, that we lived in for a couple of years. And uh, we were leasing the house out, and then a family moved out, and we had other people coming to see the home. It was cleaned out and emptied, and other people were being shown the home to look at leasing it. And... Uh, Matter of fact, Brother Jason Gibson, that many of you met, that pastor was there in Arkansas, he was showing different people the home when they wanted to see it and look at leasing it. And I had this uh, one couple reach out to us about going to see it and email it, and so I put them in contact with him, and they, they were very nice and kind. We talked over the phone. They were, um, I don't know what they were, some good Christian people. I, I don't know what denomination. That doesn't really matter, but um, anyway... We were talking, uh, and somehow in the conversation, uh, I don't know that church came up actually in, in that initial exchange. But Jason took them and showed them the house, and uh, so they walked through it and whatever. And 
Jason called me afterwards. He said, man, you're not going to believe what just happened. And I'm thinking, oh, no. You know, you never want that after he says, we just showed somebody an empty house that you're trying to rent. <laughs> you're never going to believe what just happened. So I'm trying to think of everything that I know about that house. Okay, let's see, maybe this or maybe that or what in the world. Oh, no, no. Did somebody leave that? Whatever. He says, uh, he says, really nice couple. He was the one that told me about them and their church connections and whatever. And uh, he said, I just let them in, told them, look, you guys walk around. I don't need to show you around. You'll be able to see. He said, I'll just hang out out front here in the living room. You guys make yourself a home, walk through, look at stuff, mess with stuff, whatever. He said, so they did that. And he said, then they came back. And he said, the lady, he said, you know, you got any questions or anything? The lady said, I have a question for you. He said, sure, yeah, whatever. I'll try to answer it. She said, that room back there, and talked to him about her room. She said, in that one spot in that corner over in that room over there, she said, I hope this isn't strange or something to that effect. I don't know all the words she said, but she said, do you know if the person that lived here before prayed in that room? Jason said, I'd say there's probably a pretty good chance. She said, when we walked in that room, every time we walked over in that corner of that room, she said, I felt the spirit of God. Now, here's what's interesting. We hadn't lived in that house for more than a year and a half. But the place she was describing in the house was the place where I spent my mornings early in the morning. I don't know what the Lord was doing there. I still don't have a clue. Why am I telling you that? Because I'm telling you what's happening in your house matters in the kingdom of God. And the Lord is wanting to work in your home. If you and I give him avenue and room to do so. It matters what's going on in the house. I'm hurrying here. I'm aware of the time. I want to move swiftly. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Brother Jeremiah, I'll just read and you keep going as I'm going. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. He was short. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste or hurry up. Come down, for today I must abide at your house. I have a question for you. How would you feel if the Lord told you that? Hello, Annie. It's good to see you. And the Lord said, hurry up. Come on. Let's go. Today I need to live at your house. This is what he said to him. I wonder how many people would say, uh, Lord, I'll tell you what. Do you have an errand or two to run? And then let me get home. 
And I just need to tidy up and then you come on, Lord. You know what I'm talking about? Right? But I'm not talking about in the natural, right? I'm talking about in the spiritual. Now, here's what's beautiful. We know, that, we know some things about Zacchaeus if we look a bit further. He wasn't the most uh, upstanding citizen. He wasn't the most honest man. He had some issues. He was stealing from people. He was dishonest. He was taking advantage of people. He was greedy. He had, he had these things going on in his life. He was, he was a sinner. But the beautiful thing is he was willing to allow Jesus into his house, not because his house was perfect, but because there was enough of an interest that he wanted to have Jesus come and spend time with him. And I want you to watch what happens once he allowed Jesus into his house. Verse 6. And he made haste. He came down and watch how he received him. Joyfully. Not like, oh my goodness, Jesus is going to be in my house. No, joyfully. See, when Jesus comes and our house isn't right, we don't need to fear. We need to receive him joyfully and say, come on in and tell me what needs to happen here. And so he received him joyfully, verse 7. And when they saw it, now now you're going to have to recognize this. Other people saw this. And they murmured, saying, he was gone to be guest with a man that's a sinner. Verse 8. Zacchaeus stood, said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. I don't know what they talked about in the house, but I'm guessing they didn't discuss current events, at least in terms of something that had nothing to do with spiritual relationship with God. Something happened in their conversation in that house. See, there's things that if you'll allow him to, God can deal with you and I in our home. And he'll never humiliate us. He'll never out us, so to speak. He'll never try to embarrass. But if we'll allow him into a place in our life, in our home where we abide, those private secret places, he'll speak to us. He'll bring healing. He'll bring hope. And he'll bring change. People will say, what happened? And you'll be able to say, I allowed Jesus into my house. Now watch. Verse 9. And Jesus said to him, this is beautiful. This day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Why don't you stand with me? Brother Jeremiah, I realize there are probably about 15 more scriptures. We'll probably just stop right there. They're a whole different turn all of a sudden, but I think this is as far as we're going to go tonight. I read something the other day that to my knowledge... I don't know that I've ever heard before. And it was a simple thought, but it's just stuck with me since I read it. It says, if I make a wrong decision once, I can call it a mistake. If I keep repeating the wrong decision, it becomes a choice. And so when I examine my house... And I am talking tonight about the physical place where we live and what goes on in our abode. 
where we abide. The Lord Jesus Christ is saying, I can bless your home. I can bless your family. I can change those things that are broken and undone. I can give answers to those areas where you have questions. I can minister in your home. If you'll make me a priority in your home. I'm not even talking about like home Bible studies with other people tonight. I'm not talking about any of that. That's all well and good. And, and that's probably a whole lot of these other scriptures we didn't get to yet. But the Lord is trying to invite himself if we've maybe pushed him out a little bit. Invite himself back into our home. I want him. We're finished where we started here. I want him sitting at the dinner table. When my family and I are. The three of us now. Or so. And we're sitting on the floor in the living room. And. I want him there with us. He's a personal God. That doesn't mean we're going to be sitting there on the floor and all. It's like, okay, you need to have a Bible open and you need to. No, no, that's not what I'm. I want him there. I don't want something going on in my home that I haven't given over to him to heal or fix or correct or change or turn my thinking. Amen. Would you talk to the Lord with me right now? I feel the gentleness of his spirit here. If you're, if you're old enough to comprehend what the Spirit of the Lord is ministering tonight, then this applies to you. This applies to your life where you live. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, in every area of my home, in word, in action, in deed, in interaction, Lord Jesus, your pattern was to be in a home and to work in a home. Your instruction from Deuteronomy at the very beginning was to do these things and to honor you and serve you in our home first and foremost. Lord Jesus, tonight let there be a freshness of dedication of our hearts and our homes to you, I pray. Let your spirit illuminate in our thoughts and in our spirit these things that allow you to manifest yourself to be at work and operative in our homes and our families, O oh God, for your glory and your purpose, that which we cannot do in our own abilities, you are able to do as we trust you and allow you to work in our homes. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray your presence manifested in the homes of your people. I pray your grace abiding in the homes of your people. I pray the peace of God filling the homes of your people. I pray unclean spirits driven out of the homes of your people. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let anger and malice and bitter word be cast out. Let peace and love and the grace of God abide.
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus. I know that the scripture, when it was speaking of it, wasn't necessarily uh, speaking literally. Uh, but tonight it seems fitting. It turns in my heart. I think it's in Matthew chapter 7 where the scripture talks about building your house. It talks about a house that's built on sand and a house that's built on the rock. A house that's built on sand, it says, when the storms came and the winds blew, the house fell and great was the fall of it. But the house that was built on the rock, when the storms came and the winds blew, the house stood. You know what's interesting about that passage of Scripture? Same storm, same wind. The only difference is where the house was built. I've heard people say at times, well, you know, what my family's going through is so different. And I watch other families that I happen to know are going through the same thing. And I watch one family going through it. And they're going through it, but they're holding fast to the word of God. They're standing firm on the word of God. Doesn't mean it's not painful. It doesn't mean the storm's not having beaten on their house it doesn't mean the wind's not blowing but their house is firm because of what it's built on and I watched somebody else going through the exact same thing but because of what their house has been built on man it's shifting it's unstable parts are flying and it's they're trying to say let's see if we can't get this house rescued and built on the rock guess what if you're still living it looks like we all are. You can walk out of here tonight and say, this house is going to be built on the rock. Whatever part isn't, it's changing. It's going to be built on a rock. My home's going to be a home where he dwells. My home's going to be a home where he dwells. Amen? Praise God. We thank the Lord together. Father, we worship you tonight. We worship you tonight, Father. Build our homes. I pray your spirit and your word. Father, I pray grant us wisdom. Wisdom. For those of us that are the high priests of our home, in charge of our homes, Father, given the authority by your word in our home, I pray give us wisdom, instruction. Let us take action according to the prompting of your word and spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let your spirit fill our homes. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, and we praise your name. Amen. God bless you. Good to have you tonight. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Go with God.